0: Can information classification help protect your data? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here, we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries. And we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, we're gonna pull Mora in to tie together information classification and the retention schedule that we talked about in our last episode. Maura, enlighten us, please. <laughs> oh, no
1: pressure there. It's only enlightenment you're looking for today. <laughs> Hi, everyone. When we built the retention schedule in the last episode, we talked about identifying all the different record types that support your business processes, grouping them together into record categories, ideally one per business process, because we're trying to get to a small number of of categories that make sense. We don't want to stretch retention out for records that should be a very short retention, but we also want to make it easy to implement. So all of that was focused on the value of the records and how they're used. What are your requirements for keeping them as active records? What are your requirements for keeping them once they become inactive for um, audit or legal purposes or, or even operational purposes as time goes on? So that was, that's one half of the retention equation. The other half is thinking about the security of your records. And the longer you hold something, the more chances there are that it could could be inadvertently released, it could be breached in some way, something could happen to it that you hadn't intended. And this balance between value and risk, between security and flexibility, between keeping things tight and protected versus sharing them either within your organization or with outside partners in different ways, This is a balance that runs through your whole information governance program. And especially as we start getting into the implementation stages, because when you're writing policy, you can, it's not a great idea, but you sort of start out by writing policy in a vacuum and thinking ideally, this is what we would do. We would keep X records for however long, we would make them accessible to so many people that that always need them. We would make them easy to find. And those are all ideals, and they are all good policy targets, but when you get to the implementation step, you have to think about what's possible, and if not only what's possible, but what can we afford to do. We can't afford to protect every record in the same way, because the more protection, the more segregation, the more it costs. It costs to maintain different systems, it costs to maintain the security layers around them, and it costs actually to use your data because you have to go in and get it from a secure system and have layers of authentication and then have a secure way to share it with other people. So you you wanna preserve those very high risk records and you wanna spend that money appropriately on those very high risk records. You don't wanna do the same thing for records that have a lower value or a lower risk of if they were being if they were inadvertently released what was what would the damage be so the information classification approach as a parallel to the retention schedule gives you a tool to try and document that balance and make decisions about it ahead of time not in the moment when you're trying to decide should we buy this cloud-based system or should we buy this on-prem system or should we keep everything in paper you want to have you want to have your guiding principles figured out beforehand so you've built your basic retention schedule you've validated your retention your record categories and the retention periods from a legal perspective a regulatory perspective and an operational perspective excellent now where do we go on this information classification side First up, what are your classifications? How many levels do you have? You need to build an information classification policy. And you can get carried away. We've seen clients get carried away here where they might have six or seven different policy classification levels where it's like open to everyone in the company, but not external. Open to external, but not, but not everyone in the company. That's an interesting one. Um, (laughs) Open to everyone who is in a certain division, might be a you know, discover, a drug discovery division. Everyone in that division can see everything, but not anyone in the marketing division can see anything from the drug discovery division. Or if you're talking to a, a midstream company, there are barriers between the producing side, the volume control and where are we going? You know, how are we building our revenue base and the trading side? And making sure that you're not crossing any rules around how trading happens in the midstream world. So there are those internal barriers that you need to protect. And you can really lock things down and try to get to every scenario. So you end up with slicing and dicing your security between public and no one in multiple steps. That's hard to maintain. um, And it's hard to apply. What we think works best is something along the lines of three or four categories, the top one being it's open to the public. Then you have sort of internal company, but it's anybody in the company. And below that, you start to get into, okay, how are we going to divide the, how are we going to go more sensitive than everyone in the company can see it? Typically, we'll have a set of financial categories that are, held to a certain a select group in the company and then you might have one that is uh it's within a department but we don't have to name them all we just know that it's within your department or it's within your team and you can name it like that but you want to define them however works best for your organization define three or four is manageable more than that is hard to manage but if you need to you can do it Along with the financially sensitive data, you might also put in personal privacy data, data that could be personally identifiable for your customers, for your partners, for your employees. So those are some options. You can't do this by yourself. This is an, another another example of in the world of information governance, we do nothing alone. You have to have legal involved. You have to have a privacy team involved. You have to have the business development and strategists involved because they're the ones who are looking at competition and what's what's sensitive in our industry from that perspective. And depending on your industry, you have some outside influences on how to protect your information. If it's critical infrastructure information, then that has different requirements than if it's if it's banking information. They all have different requirements that are imposed externally and you know those best. And so you look in across your organization, that same stakeholder group that you've been working with, some of them are going to be key to you developing and agreeing on these classifications.
0: So I got a couple questions here. Information classification, you're looking to create a a policy. I'm thinking because it's the only way you're going to list these and you're going to get the organization to understand what they are and I think it's a great idea to have hey this is public and everybody can see it including everyone outside of the company. Then internal, maybe sensitive, you know, financial data, uh, obviously personally identifiable information, and then you get for some uh, infrastructure related companies you have the critical infrastructure related uh, category which nobody should really know except for law enforcement and And executives within the company, where that stuff's located. And so those classifications are simple in terms of being three or four, but I get where people want to continue to classify things more and more because a lot of administrators IT administrators are probably using Microsoft and they're probably using Office 365 and when you go into the data loss prevention or the information classification tab in Microsoft the admin section you see Canadian financial and um German financial it, they list about 1000 categories of data points that here's what the, here's what financial information looks like in Canada so that it can capture and protect that data from inadvertent release outside of your organization, right? And so I can see where people want to get more and more detailed to their classifications because that's where, what again, where Microsoft is pushing you here. Click all these buttons because it'll protect your organization from sending out any of these Type, any of this type of information, however, just we're, what we're talking about is getting the basic understanding of what can go out to be released to the public and what needs to be kept private, and how to tie that to your retention schedule once you're classifying the records that are important to your organization.
1: Yes, I think that's. That's the leap between policy and implementation, right? Is you have different tools and they offer you one view or many views of how to apply some kind of security. What I think we have seen that works better is do the thinking outside of the system, regardless of the system. Yes, Office 365 is pretty widespread right now. So is Google Suite. There's a lot of different options. And then once you get away from those sort of basic office functions, you have all of the business specific applications, and they have different tools for protecting data too. One of the keys that we've talked about throughout this is that in information governance, you want to be consistent. You want to treat the same data the same way, whether it's in paper, in electronic documents, or in electronic databases. You want to be able to say consistently, We have identified our data, we matched it to our business process, we understand its value, we have applied the right retention, and now we're talking about applying security. So what I think is the step before we get to clicking those buttons in the O365 admin console is to look at your retention schedule, think about each record category. Where we are applying retention is at the record category level and where we are suggesting that you apply security is also at the category level. So every record, every instance that fits into that category will be treated the same way in terms of security level, protection, distribution requirements and retention. So it's a it's a baseline for We've identified this set of records as being important to this business process, as being this level of value to the company, and as being this level of risk to the company and how we're going to protect against it. So for each category in your retention schedule, take your information classification policy with your three or four categories and actually match them up, accounting records, whether it's accounts payable or accounts receivable, if you've had two categories or one category, that's going to have a financial sensitivity, um, internal company, confidential kind of category, whatever you've named that. HR records, all of them, the HR records, the personnel files, the the background files, the recruiting files, the benefits files, the medical files, every one of them is going to have a PII classification, and also HIPAA like might be in there because of the, the medical piece. They're very similar. You don't have to call them out as separate categories of classification, but that's your PII space. You, if you are a customer-facing kind of retail organization, you may also have customer data that's going to fall in that same space and that might bring you Um, PCI information, personal credit information, along with the PII, personally identifiable. All of that one category. So you know that this is how we have to treat all these records. We have to protect them from data breach because that's a big concern in the PII space. It's also a really helpful categorization when you think about applying some of the newer privacy laws, like the general data protection rule in Europe, the GDPR, Then California Consumer Privacy Act, which was the first go at protecting consumers from companies holding onto privacy data. And then there is a a revision to that CCPA, the CPRA, which is the California Privacy Rights Act, which is more broad and covers more people and really is trying to extend this idea of personal data privacy across the internet. Those new laws, which actually allow customers to ask what privacy data have you collected from me and you have to be able to produce it and you may have to be able to delete it. So if you've narrowed down the record categories in your retention schedule where that data could be found, then it's much easier to go find it because one of the things we're going to do with the retention schedule in a later stage here is map systems and repositories and file stores against the retention schedule so you know where are these categories of records sitting in my organization where am I going to find the data that has the information classification of personally identifiable information that's where I need to look if a customer comes in under CCPA and asks me what have I got about them so it's really helpful in all these implementation stages to start at the policy level of we've reta- we've identified our retention schedule, we've identified our information classifications, and now we're putting them together.
0: Awesome. Awesome job explaining that. Thank you very much. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening, and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music.
1: Thank you.